Hi, it's John Bernadovich, your host of the H Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR like a boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. On today's show, super excited to have Claudia Miller. She was introduced to me by a mutual contact, and I cannot tell you how great it is to have people that are moving around the world, literally moving around the world. She's currently in Raleigh, North Carolina, having moved from Chicago, Illinois, and super excited to have Claudia on the HR Like a Boss podcast. Claudia, welcome. Thanks, John. I'm so happy to be here. All right. For those that are listening, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days, why you moved from Chicago to Raleigh, and all things in between and your passion for HR. Yes, so I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina because my husband received a promotion with the caveat that we had to move. So it was an easy decision to make just because my husband is from North Carolina. So his family is here um, and we were already planning to move in here. Just that timeline got accelerated a lot faster. And right now I work as a career coach and I work with a lot of women in tech who are looking to move into senior leadership roles. Um, and while doing that, they're also looking to continue moving ahead in their career. When I'm not working with one-on-one -on -one with professionals, I'm also working with businesses and helping them build a leadership talent pipeline on how can they identify and move more women into senior leadership roles as an organization overall. That's fantastic, Claudia. As you, as you may or may not know, I have a leadership team at Willery. We're, I'd say at this point, we're 75% female. So I definitely believe in that promotion of individuals that have great talent. And fortunately for me, it's a bunch of really strong professional uh, women who are leading our firm. And that's super great. And can't wait to talk about that because I know a lot of our listeners are challenged by that. Before we get into some of the details of the work you're doing around women leadership, I got to ask you the standard first question of the HR Like a Boss podcast, and how would you describe human resources and its purpose? I would definitely say that it's a very vital purpose, and honestly, it is the only purpose really because it is involving all professionals, everyone working within the company who actually make up the company, and it really helps in dictating a lot of, you know, movement across the organization, making sure we maintain policies. So it really is that overarching body that keeps a company and that dictates what a company is overall because it's most, um, I would say most component or valuable instrument is the people itself. Yeah, awesome, for sure. So let's talk a little bit and get into your expertise. I know it's a lot around development and leadership skills. Tell me a little bit about suggestions you have on how HR can support and help implement and develop leaders and managers? Definitely. It would be around making sure that there is a almost like a leadership development pipeline happening within the organization. I know that, you know, I was looking at some stats that around, I think somewhere around a thousand or it was something at least a minimum of a thousand, but I think the stat was around 10 or 100,000, 100,000 people are retiring every single day and they're having trouble fulfilling these positions. So a good strategy to have is, well, why not start identifying them and start building that talent leadership pipeline for having it be very diverse and especially having more women, since data shows that when you have at least 30% of women, not only in senior leadership roles, but in the board, that's when it starts making extra 
a very good portion of impact when it comes to profitability and mitigating risk. And it also it creates a lot of innovation within the companies. So how can we start filling in more women into those leadership roles? How can we start empowering them? How can we create that mentorship and driving them in order to be able to, for them to have those seats in the boardroom? And how did you get into that line of work specifically around technology and supporting the growth of female leaders? Well, it really stemmed because of my personal background. I learned a lot of this because I wanted to get ahead in my career. I'm, you know, first one in my family to graduate from high school, let alone, you know, now holding a master's degree. And I had to learn how to navigate the corporate workspace on my own. And I found out that just doing good grades and doing the work isn't going to be enough for you to get a lot of job interviews or getting promotions. So there's also this other aspect of you have to learn how to advocate for yourself. You have to know how to be able to sell yourself and be able to help your managers and the company itself, you know, guide you to where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? And why you should even be in that seat in the first place. But we have to have that self-accountability of like, how can we help ourselves so that where we can help our managers help us overall. And I was very successful once I did learn how to get ahead in my career. So I was able to pivot from finance, education, to healthcare, to healthcare tech. And every single time was able to land a job with at least a 30K salary increase. And I was very great at that job where I was handpicked by the CEO to lead specific projects and task forces. And now why I'm within the tech space specifically is because there is growth. Now we may be hearing all these layoffs happening, but overall that's where innovation is gonna be happening. It's gonna be primarily towards tech because it does help us do things faster and more accurate based on how we manage the data itself. And because there's more women with degrees within tech, but there's not represented it in the industry itself. So that's what really, you know, motivated me to move into the tech space so that way we can have more women in these roles. Plus it pays very well in comparison to many other industries. Awesome story and congratulations on your achievement and the generational change you've made in that regard. That's really awesome. It's, it's a credit to you and your family and, and, and what you've done. So continued great, great work and effort with that, Claudia. One thing I do want to talk about is sometimes these big companies or even small, they have these quirky, unique, somewhat incredibly biased policies that get in the way of promoting and supporting women leaders. How, how do you suggest that an organization, maybe an HR manager who's listening to this right now that might say, hey, I have some limitations within my organization that are blocking the promotion of great talent, whether it's women or people of diversity and whatnot. What, what are your suggestions and strategies there? Yeah, some of the things that I've seen is some companies will have, you know, they might have a lot of consultants. And usually I've seen this because they can they tend to move a lot within different projects and different teams. And instead, instead of having a manager, they have policies in place where they'll say, if you're ready, when you know you're ready for a promotion, please submit paperwork and almost like raise your hand and then we're going to vet out the process. Whereas that's actually very geared towards more extroverted professionals but also some of the underrepresented communities. For example, I'm Latina, I'm Hispanic. So for us, we're told, well, just do the work. Don't toot your own horn, do not brag. We don't do that here. Just work really hard and eventually you'll get promoted. 
So that company policy in itself is already biased of not only towards more extroverts versus introverts, but also some of these underrepresented communities where they may not be very comfortable with, you know, bragging or talking about themselves and don't even know how to sell themselves. Now, I don't agree with that because now as a working professional, you need to be able to advocate for yourself, but really understanding that there's already a bias going happening wrong with that company policy in itself. And the other one, and this is something I've heard from hiring managers and HR professionals where they're not always on board and they don't actually agree with it. But when it comes to salary increases, a lot of them where I've heard is, you know, for example, I had a client that was being grossly underpaid, almost $50,000 less than her actual direct reports once she was moved to a manager position, even though she had more skill sets, more experience than everyone else she was still being underpaid, but the company will only allow for her to get up to, I think, a 15, 20% salary increase. And even afterwards, I've heard from hiring managers and HR professionals where they want to make sure this person gets compensated fairly. But the policy is that they have to bring an outside offer so that way then they can decide to match. And at that point, a lot of my clients feel like, well, if you had valued me and I've been loyal to the company and I've been here for over 10 years and done really great work and I have great marks, I still have to go and start the interview process elsewhere to have someone tell me, yes, I'm worth this much or my value of work is worth this much for you to then match that offer. It really doesn't create a really great experience for that loyal employee who has a lot of knowledge within the company itself. But now at this point, we'll rather go elsewhere where they're provided that salary that they fairly deserve and didn't have to fight for it in order to get it through the organization. So I would say those policies really hinder, you know, some of them specifically within women or other represented communities that don't tend to negotiate for themselves, but are tend to be very loyal, do really great work, but now are almost being penalized for that because they're not being compensated fairly. Yeah, no, I think that's that's great insight. Have some recent relevant experience around that as far as just promoting and interviewing and talking to candidates and ones that maybe don't appear to have the the skill set or the experience that you want until you give them that title, they 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 don't feel comfortable at times speaking up or speaking out or giving their ideas and suggestions and and to your point it may be based upon them being introverted or some prior poor experiences, but when they're given that title, oh, wow, look out, the, the world is their oyster and they make a tremendous amount of impact on the business. I think that's really incredible insight, Claudia, and important for our listeners to, to check out and consider that as you're evaluating your own leadership pipeline. I have to take a minute to pause in the middle of the show. So everyone that's here to listen to Claudia, give me a second to do a quick plug about the wonderful sponsor for HR Like a Boss. It's near and dear to my heart. Willery is the uh, formation and the support for the HR Like a Boss podcast and has provided a tremendous amount of resources for us putting on the show. Willery's purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-sized companies with their direct hire and temporary search services, along with a unique client-side HR and payroll advisory and technology consulting practice. So if you're struggling to find talent within your HR payroll team or not getting that return on your HR tech investment, please visit willery.com to learn more. All right, everybody, put your listening ears back on. We're back to questions for Claudia. Appreciate you all hanging with us and learning more about her wonderful insights and experiences she has on developing and promoting 
leaders, especially those women in the workplace in the technology space. All right, so let's get into that a little bit more, Claudia. How do you suggest that companies can support and advocate for those female employees that maybe as they're moving into those those leadership roles that give them the resources to be successful? Yeah, there's actually a report by McKinsey called Women in the Workplace, and it was released. I think the most recent edition is 2022. And data shows that men and women typically are hired at the same rate when it comes to entry-level positions, but they're not promoted at the same rate. Whereas for every 100 men that get promoted, around 86 women get promoted. So it's really understanding that not just because we have a certain percentage of women um, do we fit that quota? Instead is what at each level do we need to have a representation? And for our companies to really be able to see the benefits of having a very diverse team or leadership team and be able to see that profitability increase, increase in innovation, mitigating risk, and even increase in patents it has seen when at least 30% of their leadership board is composed of women. So really having that understanding of not just at the entry level, but at the senior level and even at the board level, we need to have at least 30% of those seats being taken by women in order for companies to even see those benefits that come alongside with it. And the question may be, well, how can we make sure we have more women in those roles? Well, it's making sure that they get promoted at that rate because by what we've seen in data is, is there's almost a 75% drop when it comes to entry-level positions versus mid-manager and senior leadership roles. And women are not promoted, so therefore, when we do get to these high levels, there may not be as many candidates as possible because the root cause of it or from the beginning is they weren't promoted at fair rate as our male counterparts. Yeah, great, great insight. Familiar with that study. I actually did quite a bit of research around that and included one of the key parts in the HR Like a Boss manuscript that will be published in the summer of 2023 through Sherm Books. So another shameless plug for the book and this concept is the idea around really advocating the human resource profession to coach your managers and develop them because they become the conduit for delivering great work inside of your teams. At the same time, they become the reason why, uh, one of the top reasons why people quit their jobs is that they don't connect with their managers. And I understand and see the data around uh, the shortcoming from a, a female the opportunities that females get in leadership roles. And I think it's really up to thinking differently, which is a spirit of doing HR like a boss and looking at those capable candidates that maybe uh, are, are maybe not showing that quite yet, but they have the, the skills the knowledge and expertise when given a chance. The other interesting thing I learned, Claudia, and I'll, I'll get you out of here after I make this comment and ask you my next question, because it's my last one of all guests on the podcast, is this idea that Leadership is something that people know how to do or manage, and unfortunately, they don't. I know a study that I saw suggested it was roughly 49 months before a new manager gets any form of training. So you're really not doing a good job of building a pipeline, let alone promoting the right people when you put them in that position. And the next thing they know, it's four years later, and then they're going to a leadership retreat for the first time. Sounds really backwards to me. Let's make sure we don't do that, HR like a bossers. All right, Claudia, get you out of here on this last question. The podcast is called HR Like a Boss. The book is called HR Like a Boss. How would you describe someone that does HR Like a Boss? Definitely someone that thinks about how their company policies and especially how they're done within HR actually impacts the bottom line. So like we mentioned, policies dictate. So if 
a company really says they want to hire more women or more diverse employees, well, that's when HR policies can come into place because it can impact downstream to everything. And that's when really making sure that the policies put in place is really important because it can't just be, well, we need to have you know, 50% of our applicants to be, let's just say women or, you know, employees from underrepresented communities, it has to be, well, what do we need to do in order to fill that pipeline with underrepresented communities? Do we advertise a lot of these jobs within women associations or maybe, you know, affinity groups where we can attract a lot of those talent in order to fill that? So policies, but even also is how can we ensure those policies are successful? And not just saying overall as a company, we need to make sure that we have you know at least a 30% number when it comes to women in leadership roles. It's by how much is each person accountable? Because when we drill down, I believe that systems and policies dictate action. When we all of a sudden keep people accountable and we have the right policies in place, that's when we can really start making movement. And it doesn't come from overall, but it needs to be specific where you, John, and me, Claudia, we are both responsible on this and we have a number tied to it. Our KPIs are tied to it. And perhaps our bonuses are tied to it overall as an organization. So that way I know that I have to do what I have to do versus we know we have some employees where they'll say, well, you know how they are, you know, there's just kind of old school or they just do their own thing is no, they're, if they're a leader, they're a manager, they need to be held accountable. And if they don't know how to do it, well, let's provide resources for them to be able to do it in order to fully ensure success for the overall, you know, goal that we all have as an organization. Boom. Wow. What a way to end. That was awesome for someone that loves numbers and accountability and structure and and providing those opportunities to people and see them shine, hold them accountable when they need to be held accountable. That was a fantastic end of the show. I'm going to have to screw that up by giving a quick recap because that's what we do on the podcast. But bear with me, everyone. Claudia Miller shared some really incredible insights. She started off by making a strong suggestion of ensuring that you're instituting a leadership pipeline within your organization that has a diverse set of candidates. And specifically, she was talking about women, women specifically in the technology space. She also encouraged all of us to advocate and sell for ourselves. Put yourself out there. If you're not speaking for yourself, most often someone is not. So if you're not, if you're not making yourself known to your organization and being confident with yourself in your own way, whatever that is, right? Obviously, we won't, we will all do that in, in different ways. You have to advocate and sell yourself. And lastly, you talked about this idea of driving profit and innovation through hiring women and or diverse candidates through what I would describe as effective human resources that will drive results through accountability, process, structure, et cetera. Claudia, what an amazing job. Thank you for being on the HR Like a Boss podcast. Thanks for having me, John. Thank you for listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please leave a rating or review. Or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.